Welcome to the 12 Hike Podcast, where we talk about all the ways you can get outdoors. This is Zach Jenkins. Thanks for listening. On today's episode of Fat Guy in a Little Boat, I had the pleasure of speaking with Kimber. She is a nurse and also a kayak angler extraordinaire. Uh, Based out of Wisconsin, she catches everything from panfish and pike up to these monstrosities of salmon and trout or whatever the heck they are out of uh, the Great Lakes. We had a great conversation, learned a little bit about uh, how she came to love the outdoors and how she wants to ensure the future of women getting outdoors and enjoying kayaking, hunting, fishing, and everything that is usually associated with a male-dominated sport. Can you hear me okay, Kimber? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, you're good. Awesome. Thank you very much for agreeing to do a podcast. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun adventure. We're just trying to talk to uh, to people we find interesting. And I came across your Instagram page and I thought, well, here you go. Here's something <laughs> you do every day. I do spend a lot of time outdoors and I just like to post about it. I think it's a lot of fun and just what I like to do in my free time. Yeah. Um, so did you grow up a badger? Were you born in Wisconsin? Um, I was actually born in Kansas, but I don't actually remember living there. So I've been in Wisconsin the majority of my life. Yeah, yours, yours might as well be a badger then. <laughs> Pretty much. So full disclosure, I'm a Buckeye. I hope that doesn't uh, make any ill feelings toward me. No, and I'm going to be blatantly honest. I don't really watch or pay attention to sports. So. Oh, no. You have to at least watch Wisconsin college football. Um, I don't actually. My parents, my mom and stepdad in particular, they really like the Packers. So unless you want to be disowned, you kind of have to be a Packer fan. But that's as far as it goes in our household. Well, being a Packers fan is almost like a like a religion, right? It is. People are pretty gung-ho about it. Like, you don't want to say that you're interested in a different team in this state. You might get taken out. <laughs> uh, so growing up, did did your family you know, spend a lot of time outdoors with you? Yes. I was lucky enough to have a family that is very big on women and being in the outdoors. Growing up for me, like I actually didn't realize it was a thing, like it was a male dominated sport per se, being like outdoors, hunting, fishing. And our family, it's not that way. My mom is a very avid fisher person. And um, also, but all my family really likes to hike. So anytime we could, we were outdoors a lot. And I was homeschooled also, so I was kind of lucky that way. My mom would take us on field trips, and we'd go hike at parks, and it was just really neat. So I've always been very avid in the outdoors. So where did your mom pick it up? I mean, if it, that seems like it's a passed-down thing. Um, So I know her parents aren't the most outdoorsy ever, but she always was, as was my dad. Interesting. I know. Because uh, I know for me, I mean, I, I picked it up from my grandpa, uh, same same deal though. None of my none of the females in my family were ever really outdoor centric. They didn't hike. They didn't fish with us. Uh, so it's just kind of neat that you know your mom passed it down to you. I agree completely. And like it's been really fun because it's something we can do together. Like growing up, 
every summer we would go to our cabin in Upper Peninsula, Michigan, and all four of us would be out in the boat fishing. Um, and it was just something fun that we did every year that we always looked forward to. All right, so we got something in common. Uh, me and a group of my buddies used to go to the Upper Peninsula every year, also. Oh. But we went on the uh, we were on the eastern side. Okay. We went to the western side once, and it took us twenty four hours to get there, and we <laughs> about we were about dead by the time we got there. Oh, jeez. Yeah, we went to a little place called uh, oh shoot, what was it? Bobcat Lake. Okay. And. So it started off a long time ago. My buddies, they did a deer camp in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, And as my buddy's dad got older, he kind of stopped hunting, but he still wanted to go up there. So we started this tradition that every Labor Day we'd go up and spend three or four days. uh, We'd just pick a random spot in the woods, set up our tent, and camp for a few days. And we we all just fell in love with the place. It's, It's unlike any other place I've ever been. I agree completely. I kind of joke that I'm going to run away and move up there someday because it's beautiful. It's such a gem. I mean, just the wildlife and the nature. There's so many lakes. The fishing's great. All the water is crystal clear. I love it up there. And Lake Superior is beautiful. See, we never stayed. We stayed on Lake Superior once. We got a cabin. We cheated because we were getting old. We were getting old and lazy. (laughs) And, uh, so, but every other time we would just pick a random lake in the back country somewhere, but we'd always cross the Mackinac Bridge and go straight north, and we'd head for a place called Paradise. Okay. And uh, we'd always go see the Quamanon Falls, and I don't know, it's, like you said, you cross the you cross into the Upper Peninsula, and it's like you're getting into a different world. It really is. If you ever go up there again, I would highly suggest visiting Grand Island. Um, off of Lake Superior, you actually take a ferry across. Um, you can either bike the island or you can camp out there. It is gorgeous and it's just really fun. Um, you can hike it in a day. It's about 26 miles. So it's kind of a brutal one day hike or take some bikes across and you can bike it. And it's just gorgeous. The cliffs and the water and the color. It's just, it's really worthwhile. You know, it, unfortunately, I'm not sure if I'll ever get to go back there since I moved out here to Colorado. Uh, to, just to take a trip out there. I don't I don't know. I'm going to try, but it seems <laughs> very unlikely. And I mean, it looks gorgeous there too, so. It's it's a different world here too. Uh, it's been a big adjustment for me, you know, coming from Ohio where it's all nice and flat to <laughs> uh, to the mountains has been a big a big change. When did you move out there? Uh, we moved out here last year. Okay. Uh, it'll actually be a year at the end of this month. Do you feel settled and comfortable there now after a year? Uh, yes. Okay. For the most part. Uh, COVID has just completely altered all of our plans. This has been a very strange year, just to say the least. Well, and you're a nurse, right? Yes. So so you're one of those frontline workers. Uh, has, has that altered your outdoor life any? So I'm going to be completely honest. Um, the, I have a couple of nursing jobs. So my one is a home health job. And that one I do per diem. So that I worked at while COVID was going on. But my main job is in the aesthetics industry. So it's a little more cushy. (laughs) And obviously that got shut down while COVID was going on because it wasn't essential. So I ended up in all essence having like a two month off period this spring and just was working very casually at my other job when they needed help. 
So I actually had all this time to go out and fish and kayak this spring, which I have never had before in my life. I'm usually kind of a workaholic. So that was actually really nice because that was one of the few things I could do where I could stay socially distanced from people, but still get outside and be active. So I actually learned how to troll for lake trout and salmon on Lake Michigan via kayak this spring. Oh my, you're brave. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's big water. That's kind of scary to me. Um, yeah. So you stay like that time of year when it's colder, because I was out there in April, the fish are all pretty shallow and you stay behind like these break walls and you stay pretty close to shore. So we don't go out super far in the kayaks. I definitely wouldn't want to ever go out super far just because the weather changes so quickly. But yeah, we were able to stay, I mean, in pretty safe areas and you kept a really close eye on the weather, but you could always hustle back to the um, boat landing pretty quick if you needed to. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Being from Wisconsin, you're not afraid of cold weather, are you? No, not at all. (laughs) I was looking at some of your ice fishing pictures, and I about froze to death. (laughs) So, hand warmers are a lifesaver. I shove them in my boots, in my gloves. Those things have been wonderful. And then, honestly, this last winter, I finally broke down and got a real ice fishing suit. That floats and everything if you fall in. That thing has been a game changer. I don't even set up my shanty most of the time. That thing's so warm. It's so funny because me and my friend back in Ohio, we had a, it was almost like a golfing rule. If it was below 50 degrees, we just didn't go. (laughs) And and we were kind of weenies. You can go ahead and say it. (laughs) So about the ice fishing, isn't grumpy old men kind of based in the Wisconsin area? The Um... movie? I am not super familiar with that movie, so I do not know, actually. Oh my god, you have to watch that movie. <laughs> so, Walter Matthau and Jack Lennon, uh, just two neighbors that have this rivalry going. They're fighting over a woman. <laughs> and the first movie is based around ice fishing season, so okay. there's, all, there's all kinds of shenanigans. Really funny movie. I will have to check that out. I do love my ice fishing. <laughs> well, I've never been, just because where we lived before Colorado... It never got cold enough that you could get out in the water. Do you just go fish a body of water during the spring and summer, figure out where the fish are, mark it, and then go back in the winter? How's that work? So, okay. I, let's see. I actually didn't kayak fish as much until this year, just because this year I finally got a pedal drive kayak. So with the ice fishing, um, kind of where I've been living, there's like three or four good lakes close by me. I have those down pretty well just from like fishing from shore and then I would kind of float around in my kayak. One of the lakes I would go out on with my parents in the boat too. So I kind of had an idea where some of the spots were. But what really helped me is um, during ice fishing season, I have an electric auger. I will drill a like grid of holes and then I have an underwater camera. So I will go in and actually just stick that camera in And usually if you can find the fish, find the weeds, you're good to go. So technology has been wonderful when it comes to ice fishing. So I usually tend to grid it out a bit more in the winter. Um, Now that I have my pedal drive kayak, though, and I have my fish finder hooked on that, I definitely will cruise around lakes and can map them out that way, too. I'm so jealous. I wanted the pedal drive kayak so bad. I have been wanting one since I started kayaking, and I finally decided this year was going to be the year that I did it, and I never want to not have one again. They are fantastic, (laughs) and trolling out of your kayak is a game changer. 
Well, yeah, now that I've moved out here to Colorado where there are lake trout. Okay. Uh, I think I need to get into that lake trout, and there's a big striper population here too. Oh, fun! Yeah. Uh, what kind of kayak did you end up with? So I ended up with a native uh, Propel Slayer. It's 13 feet long, just because I wanted the bigger kayak so I could go out on Lake Michigan. It's been a bit of a learning curve because that thing is a heavy beast, and I'm a smaller female, so just figuring out how to get that thing loaded and unloaded and on, in and out of the water by myself. It was definitely a little bit of a trick. There was one day at the boat launch where my kayak might have taken me like into the water a little bit. Luckily, no one was out there to witness it, but definitely had to trial and error it a little bit till I had a system down. Now I'm good, but it was definitely a little interesting. And I guess that kind of goes back to your comment about, you know, outdoor sports being perceived as male dominated you know you would think that some of these kayak manufacturers would make a more maneuverable easier to lift boat that had all the same capabilities they do have some smaller models like the 10 foot ones but i don't know those are still kind of heavy for me so and i lift weights and i still struggle lifting those things up so so when did you you know back to your your male dominated comment when did you realize that you you know outdoor sports is perceived perceived as a man's thing so when I went away to college and I got a guy told me that I couldn't go hunting with them because I was a girl and it was a guy's only thing. Really? And I've actually had that on several occasions with like fishing trips and stuff growing up, just various people I've known. They're like, yeah, no, well, this is a guy's trip. And I'm just like, well, why? Okay. Full disclosure. Our Michigan trip every year, we build it as a guy's trip. <laughs> So I guess I'm guilty of that too. Well, I mean, it was just, it was really hard for me when I realized that because I didn't know that was the thing growing up because my family wasn't that way. And I was just really disappointed because I am not the most girly girl ever. So the idea of like going to the spa or something like that on a girl's trip does not appeal to me whatsoever. I want to be out in the woods going deer hunting, going fishing, whatever. I want to be included on the guys' trips. So do you hunt also? I do. I'm going to be blatantly honest about it, though. I'm not the most gung-ho hunter. Sometimes I just like to sit around out in the stand and, like, just enjoy being out in nature. I've legit watched deer walk by before and not been motivated enough to shoot them, so I'm not quite as gung-ho about hunting as I am fishing. You know, with, with the bigger animals, I, th I think I have a similar problem. <laughs> right? Uh, for me, especially now, like out here in Colorado, I've got uh, tags to go hunt mule deer and elk. But the thought of shooting one of those things and then having to cut it up by myself, yeah. pack it out of the woods by myself, because I don't have any friends out here yet. Okay. Uh, it's daunting. So I almost want to go out and see if I can sneak up on one and then go, all right, that's good enough. I agree completely. And honestly, the thought of turkey hunting has actually started to appeal to me a lot more for that reason, because I can go out in the woods, I can do it myself. It's not like a full day commitment to process that meat. So I'm actually going to start going more for turkey, just because it's a little more convenient. All right. So anyone that's listened to any of the episodes of my podcast, they're probably going to get sick of me doing this. I hate turkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they're the worst animal on earth. So what, what sparked this passion of hating turkeys? Uh, okay, so back in high school, we used to hunt them religiously every year, spring and fall, all week, no matter what. We'd wake up early in the morning, we'd go out there, 
do our thing. We'd hear them. We'd, we'd get them called in to about a hundred yards. They'd shut up. Then they'd run away every <laughs> single morning. So we, we, we rode off Turkey, no more Turkey. And we moved out here, my, my wife and I, and my, my two kids. And just to get out in the mountains and, and experience it a little bit, I said, you know what? I want to go turkey hunting again. So I got my turkey tag, uh, got a couple calls, and I was like, all right. I, I scouted. I, was, I felt pretty good about it. Got up there, and wouldn't you know it, I did the exact same thing that I did back in Ohio. I could call them. They'd gobble back at me. They'd get about 100 yards away and then shut up. <laughs> and the added bonus of being out here is I got to climb, you know, a vertical quarter mile just to go hunt them. So it was hard compared to Ohio and Wisconsin. Jeez. Uh, yeah, so I said, screw those birds, I'm done. I don't blame you. Whereas in Wisconsin, they're everywhere. I mean, I literally see one every time I go out deer hunting. So that's why I decided, you know what, I'm going to just go turkey hunting from here on out. Turkey hunting is one of those cult things. You know, the, there are guys that... I mean, they, they love it. They live for turkey season. Uh, I'm just not one of those guys. Uh, if, if you're a patient person and you like the challenge of trying to outsmart a bird that humps rubber dummies, <laughs> uh, go for it. You're, you're in there. I love it. We'll, we'll see. If I start posting a bunch of turkey pictures on Instagram, you'll know I got hooked. But in reality, I'm probably going to stick more with my fishing and just go sit out in a stand once a in a while just for fun well hey listen you stick with that fishing because i know whenever we were kind of messaging you you said you didn't feel like you were an accomplished angler <laughs> you you've caught some fish that make me jealous oh well thank you i don't know i just feel like i just like to fish for fun it's what i started to do um a lot on my own as an older like probably when i hit about 25 i really started fishing a lot by myself and it was just something peaceful I could do. And I love it as a nurse just because it gets me outdoors. It relaxes me. It's just my peaceful place I can run away to and be away from everything that stresses me out. It's just really good for your mental health. And it honestly kind of keeps me sane as a nurse. So, Yeah, and the thing I like about kayak fishing, you know, if the fishing slows down or you get to the point where you're just tired, you stop fishing and just kind of like you said, relax and let your mind kind of rest a little bit on the water. It's great. It is. I mean, sometimes I'll just sit there with my boat with a line in the water, one of my feet in the water and just relax. I don't even care if I catch anything. I just like being out there. Up there in Wisconsin, like I said, I've never been to Wisconsin. Do you have a lot of smaller bodies of water like they do in the Upper Peninsula? We do. And I just moved last week closer to like the Milwaukee area. There are a million and one lakes over here, and they're really nice. A lot of them are really nice and clear, and we have Lake Michigan. So I feel like I have the best of both worlds over here. Yeah, so Lake Michigan's a big smallmouth fishery, isn't it? It is. I haven't gone out fishing for smallmouth on it yet, but yeah, people have been landing some ridiculously nice smallmouth. You know, in southern Ohio, that's what we fished for all the time. And if we caught a one or two pounder, we thought, oh boy, this is a big smallmouth. Uh, they catch footballs up there mm -hmm. in Lake Michigan. Uh, but the thing that impressed me the most are some of the bluegill you catch. <laughs> so that is panfish are kind of the fish that I grew up with. So for me, they're really easy to catch. I don't know. It just makes sense in my brain. And also, I love 
bluegills on light um, equipment, they fight like crazy. I think they're a blast and they're so aggressive. So we just did a, a podcast with the uh, the owner of Trout Magnet. Okay. And he was telling us about their system that they use and it's all light tackle. They catch trout, smallmouth, largemouth, everything, two pound test. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. It's super impressive. And, you know, back in Southern Ohio, that's what we always fish for too. We'd always go in the early springtime. We had this one honey hole and you could go up there and catch 12, 13 inch uh, red ear sunfish and bluegill all day. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Uh, Yes, bringing them back home. The, the worst part was we ate them, so you know, bringing them back home and cleaning them all is a chore. <laughs> they really are. Uh, but they're so good. They're tasty. They are amazing. Um, the place that I have the best luck is honestly like a really little lake close to my parents' house. I just catch and release there just because it's such a tiny pond. I want those big fish to keep repopulating it and stay in there. But I love it. Like, they're just, they're so much fun. The biggest I have caught so far is a 12-incher. I would love to catch something bigger than that. That would be awesome. <laughs> Jealous. 12-inch is pretty impressive. And, you know, some of the bluegill I've seen you post pictures of, you know, they've got that real flat face, and you know that's when they're big. When they pull my drag out, I know they're a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's the easiest way to fish, too, because for me, we we would just take a bobber and a little light jig and some crickets, and oh. we would kill them. That's a good idea. So this year I have switched to using plastics only, which I had never done in the past. I always had used like a little bit of worm or a wax worm. I have been having fantastic luck with just a little lightweight jig and a like chigger fry style plastic is what they're called. The fish uh-huh. have been going nuts over those, which has been wonderful because we don't have a ton of bait for sale in the area I was living in. So it was really handy. I want to give you a little hot tip that I uh, don't tell everybody. Okay. Uh, the My preferred bait of choice, a jig head anyway, a uh, Roadrunner. You ever use those? I have not. Okay. Get you a 16th ounce Roadrunner and a Bobby Garland Monkey Milk Minnow. Okay. You'll catch everything. All right. I will I will give that a try. Okay, that's a 12 hike hot tip. Okay. So, uh, I love that, it. it and my my buddy back in Ohio, you know, I I was the same way. I always used live bait, uh, very simple setups, and we went crappie fishing. And he had this stupid looking jig. I thought that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. And he must have caught I don't know thirty crappie, just oh bam, God. bam, bam. Oh yeah, I said, uh, hey buddy, what are you what are you using there? <laughs> so after he got me hooked, that was it. There's no turning back. That is, it doesn't matter where I fish. I will always have a fishing rod with one of those on it. Okay. I am kind of that way with my chigger fry plastic this year. I've had such good luck with it that I just, I will probably forevermore the rest of my life use that because it has just been fantastic. I actually have not used live bait once this year. So any of the fixed pictures you've seen posted, they were all on artificial. So Man, good for you. That's uh that's angling proficiency right there. You definitely have to be better about setting the hook with the plastics because you get one chance. They won't sit there and chew on it forever, but. Uh, my problem is where I'm at now, there's some bigger fish in some of these lakes. Okay. And where I've fished panfish for so long, I've got to retrain myself how to set hooks. Oh. Uh, I, I set them like a little sissy, like I'm fishing for crappie. <laughs> 
So I've I've lost several fish this year, but yeah, you can't cry over spilled milk. No. What about the the rutabaga thing? Okay, so Rutabaga Paddle Sports is a really well-known paddle shop in Madison, Wisconsin. I have gone to them. I've bought several of my boats for them. I kind of like to give them money and get a new uh, kayak every year, basically. <laughs> they are, every year? Uh, I have honestly switched up like almost every year. I've upgraded and gotten a new kayak and sold my old one. Jeez, okay. I know. Continue. Well, well, okay, how this started. I started with the paddleboard. Then when I did start kayaking, I just bought a really cheap one from Walmart. Well, I loved kayaking that I wanted to get something with a better seat. I got a um, Perception High Life was my next one, which was kind of a hybrid one. Wasn't quite what I was looking for. So I kept upgrading and changing what kind of kayak I had every year. And then, yeah, the resale value on them is great. So I would just list it on like Facebook Marketplace and get a new one. Anyway, so yeah, I like to give Rutabaga a lot of my money, obviously. Um, they are just really nice people there. I go there because I can pop in. There is no pressure um, to buy anything. I can be like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. So one of my kayaks is a really small one. I have two setups. One of them is a nine-foot dagger Zydeco, and then the other one's the pedal drive. The dagger Zydeco, I wanted something that I could fit in my SUV. That was really lightweight, easy for me to carry. I went in the store. The guys let me carry the kayak around. They let me um, fit it in my car to see if it would fit. Like They're just really helpful and nice. And again, no pressure. I've gotten people gifts there before in the past. So it's just a store I really like. I ended up taking a whitewater kayak rolling class this spring. And one of the instructors was actually the manager of Rutabaga Paddle Sports. And so I kind of got to know them a little bit better there. And I, later on, a few months later, they offered me a sponsorship with them. And I, of course, said, yes, I love that company. So, and that was honestly not something I had ever considered doing in my life. We kind of went over the details of it and it has been an absolute blast. That's great. And, you know, the good thing about it is it's giving you a chance to expose maybe women that might feel uncomfortable in in the male dominated sport you know, give them a chance to get into it. Exactly. So kind of what we want to start doing, and obviously COVID has kind of messed this up this year, but I plan on taking out women that have never fished before or ones that just want to try kayak fishing, just like in small groups or one-on-one, like we use their kayaks and then I use my fishing gear and just so they can go out and try that. Because I've done that ice fishing before. I've actually taken um, a couple of nurses that I've worked with that had never fished before in their life. And we just go out, we use my gear, we fish, we have a good time. They love it. So when you take those people out you know, and you're talking to them, do they give you any insight into why they've never tried kayaking or kayak fishing? A lot of them are just intimidated to do it. And just like kayaking, it scares them like, how am I going to haul this? I need to be strong. I need to know how to strap this down. I need to have a truck. So that kind of stops a lot of people with the kayaking. And then fishing. They don't really know where to start with it because there's so many different things and they get really intimidated when they go into the stores and it's some guy that's like, oh, this is what you need. So instead of uh, kind of getting the, the woman's insight into what they want and then working from there, they just feel kind of bullied? Yeah, into like mansplaining is definitely a thing. <laughs> like, oh, oh, get out of here. I don't believe that. <laughs> right. And it is like, 
Okay, so my boyfriend kind of jokes that if we ever want to know where any of the good fishing spots are, all he has to do is send me into the bait shop because people will literally tell me all the good fishing spots because they don't really think I'm going to do anything with it because I'm just a girl. Devious. I know. It's very spooky. <laughs> well, I kind of use my two kids for that same purpose, so I can, I can, uh, I can appreciate that. I have given away a lot of my good spots to kids. That's one of the only category of people I will usually give my like secret spots to are kids. Yeah, that's something that me and my co-host talk about, and I've heard a lot of other people talk about. What's the etiquette to showing someone a, like a spot, and then them going back after they sh- after you show them? How do you feel about that? Um. So I always. If I'm taking someone there, like, we joke, you know, if you tell anyone, I'm going to have to murder you. Um, <laughs> in reality, though, if you take them, like, I think it's fine for them to go back. I know, like, the one smaller lake that I like to go to, if I take someone there, we kind of talk about the fact that it's a small lake and that we should probably just catch and release there. And they're totally cool with that. Um, I ask my friends if they take me to one of their spots. Hey, do you care if I come back here when you're without you? And it's normally fine. But I always just ask because you never know. And I don't want to tick somebody off if that's like their spot and they're showing me. I think some of that comes back to if you know the person and you know what kind of angler or, or outdoorsman they are. Uh, like, for instance, our little honey hole that we used to catch panfish in. Uh, I've had several people ask me where that was. I knew them and I was like, oh, it's, it's this spot. Go do this and you'll catch fish. Because there were so many fish there mm-hmm. that if they fished like if they fished the way I thought they were going to, they they wouldn't overrun that resource. Those fish would still be there. No, and I think that's totally fair. And I mean, most of the people I fish with, there's a one girl that I like to fish with that I trust. I would take her to any of my spots and show her like any of the techniques. Like she's very good. I trust her completely. Um, but again, we talked about it because she showed me some of her spots too. So, and we were just like, hey, yeah, we don't care if you go here when we're not together. Like, it's fine. So uh, what what's it going to take to to get more women involved in kayaking and kayak fishing? What what are some steps you think the the manufacturers could take to make that happen? Um, So I will say one thing. We are girls. We like a girly colored stuff. Like, if there is a pink or purple, whatever, I will buy it. Like, I'm actually waiting for a really nice St. Croix fishing rod to be made, and I bought, it's purple, and I bought a really cute Daiwa purple reel, like, to go with it. So, just coloring it so it's a little more girly definitely helps. And then, too, I feel like with the kayaks, especially the fishing kayaks, streamlining them a little bit. They're too heavy. You got to make it a little more doable so we can actually like transport them, carry them, haul them around because that is really hard. You use a combination of a, the pedal drive and then your daggers a sit-in kayak. Yeah. Do you think the sit-ins are a little bit lighter and easier to move around? Oh my gosh, yes. That dagger weighs like 30 some pounds and it fits in my vehicle. Like I can pick that thing up and throw it around. It is super easy. Yep. So just kind of marketing... Collars and lightweight. That that's it's as simple as that. That and two, I think it always helps like having classes and resources available. So just to like knowing that, hey, I am in Madison and if anyone wants to learn how to do this, like just hit me up. It's really casual, it's fun, it's low pressure. Like try something new. It's it'll be a good time. I think having that low pressure environment really helps too. 
Yeah, I, I like that. The the tailored mentorship is what I would consider it. Okay. Uh, so you're you're taking this group of people and you find someone that will f- maybe have the same experiences as that group of people mm-hmm. and, and lead them through that course. Because I feel like mentorship is something that's missing a lot these days. If it wasn't for my grandpa, I don't know that I ever would have got into the outdoors. Okay. Because it skipped a generation. It was my grandpa. Then he had all daughters. And none of them wanted to go outside and hunt and fish. My dad's not really a big uh, hunter or fisherman. I wouldn't have had anybody to learn from. I agree 110%. Because even ice fishing, I had never tried that until someone took me out ice fishing. And I would have been too intimidated to do it by myself. But I went a couple times with one friend. And then I instantly fell in love with it. Watched a lot of YouTube videos on how to do stuff. Started getting gear. But it's definitely a lot easier if you know someone and they can just kind of take you out and show you the ropes. Technology can only get you so far, but YouTube videos are great. They (laughs) teach you a lot of stuff. I will say too, so I am kind of an antisocial outdoors person. Like when I'm outdoors, I kind of like to go by myself a lot of the time and most of the time. So this year I made the resolution to finally stop being so antisocial and start going fishing and hiking more with friends. So I actually went in January out ice fishing with a group. I have learned more about ice fishing and just picked up different techniques in kayak fishing and and just fishing in general this year from some of the people that I've gone out with than I ever would have picked up from watching YouTube videos. Like, it's been amazing. Why the isolation? Because it seems like you grew up in like a, a group hunting and fishing environment. Um, I think it's just because I worked a lot. And I was very, nursing is kind of a stressful profession. So just when I wasn't at work, I just kind of wanted to be completely by myself in nature. I can understand that. <laughs> I know uh, I I appreciate the little 15-minute uh, drive to the grocery store by myself. So uh, yeah, getting out and fishing by yourself is nice. In a lot of the places I went um, before I started kayak fishing as much, I would go on, there's a million and one little itsy-bitsy trout streams in this area. They're tiny. They're not really conducive to fishing more than one person. So they were just more convenient to go all by myself anyways. When you hit those little streams, do you fly fish? It's not on these ones. I am not patient enough and there are too many trees. <laughs> Even spinner fishing, I sometimes will get angry with that if I lose too many spitters in one session because there are so many trees. I've gotten a lot better at lot not losing my tackle, but it took a while. You know, that's something that uh, I'm fighting out here. So many people fly fish, but if you talk to, you know, certain groups of people, they're like, why would I fly fish? I catch way more fish using my spinning tackle and this little lure right here. Mm-hmm. It just seems like that group is a little bit elitist. I agree. And I did take a fly fishing class a few years ago with my mom. There was actually a ladies only fly fishing class that we decided to take. It's fun, and it's something I like to play around with, but if I'm truly trying to get fish, that's not going to be the technique I go with. Have you ever tried uh, tying your own flies? I actually got a tie-flying kit for Christmas. I have started doing a couple. I'm not particularly good at it yet, but it's something I'd like to get better at. Do you do it? Yes. Uh, Keep doing it. You'll you'll get better. Okay. Uh, What's what's the first fly you started tying? Oh, gosh. Um, It was just a little nymph. I started off on a woolly bugger. Oh. It seems like that fly, you learn, you know, enough of the techniques 
that you can transfer those to other flies. Okay. Have you ever fly fished for any like bigger fish, like muskie or pike or anything? Oh, no. Um, just bass and, and panfish. See, and that's the other weird thing. You know, in southern Ohio, we had a couple of pike, and there was one or two creeks that held some muskie. Okay. By and large, we didn't have that. Okay. So where you guys are, you have some of those big toothy critters. Oh, we do. <laughs> uh, you know, especially fishing from a kayak, I don't think I'd ever target pike and muskie because I don't know what I would do. You know, I was a little more apprehensive about catching bigger fish from a kayak until this spring. I caught a 20-pound um, brown trout out of my kayak this spring. That kind of got me over my fear of catching big fish out of a kayak. 20 pounds? Yep, 20 pounds. Well, good for you. I don't think I've ever caught anything bigger than... Maybe I've caught a, one catfish that weighed 10 or 15 pounds. Well, I'll be honest, my boyfriend is very avid Lake Michigan fisherman, so it was basically like going out with a guide. He knows exactly what tackle to use, where the fish are certain times of year, that how I am with panfish, he is with Lake Michigan, so. Did he swear you to secrecy on his spots? Like, did he say he's going to murder you if you told nope. anybody? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he did not. Well, that, that's good then. He's He's a keeper. He is. <laughs> no, definitely. So, I mean, doing that definitely made me less afraid of catching, like, pike and stuff out of my kayaks. I actually have started trying to catch bigger fish out of my little nine-foot kayak, too, just because I want to see how it goes. You are a savage. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to use a little bit bigger net, I think, because there was one day that I caught a pike that I was having a really hard time netting with my little net in that thing, so... You trial and error it. I haven't tipped a kayak yet, so I call that a win. Uh, the first time I took my wife out, uh, we went down this little creek, and she got caught up in some uh, deadfall, tipped hers. Oh, no. Yeah. The second time we went out, same thing, tipped it again. <laughs> uh, I've, I've never tipped mine, but it seems like every time I take somebody out, they tip. Oh, so. And right now I'm working on getting my kids introduced into kayaking. Oh, how old are your kids? Uh, they're going to be four and six here in a couple weeks. Oh, I yeah. kind of love when I see families with their kids, when they have the little youth kayaks. I think that is the cutest thing ever. I don't trust mine in youth kayaks yet okay. because they're, they're little animals <laughs> uh, and, and even taking them out because we've got a 13 foot, uh, wilderness systems. It's a, a tandem kayak. Okay. And it, I was a little bit scared because they're, my youngest is just so doggone reckless. He he does things without thinking. Oh. So he was bouncing from side to side in the kayak trying to reach over and touch the water. And I was like, don't do that. You're going to fall. <laughs> Again, if I don't teach them these things and get them interested early, I'm afraid with, especially my oldest, he's a Minecraft junkie. Okay. If I don't get them interested, they're going to be couch potatoes. And I don't want that. Right. No, I agree. Just because, you know, the the future of outdoor recreation depends on this generation and, and especially since you know they're i think congress is getting it together you know they passed the uh what's it called it, it's an act that pretty much indefinitely uh funds the national parks well and they're such gems you have to protect them oh yeah that's that's i, I realized that once we moved out here 
you know, you get up in the Rocky Mountain National Park and it's, it's pristine. It's just a great place. I've been to Denver once in Colorado. I would love to go back to that area again. Looks like there's a lot of really good hiking, just beautiful area. Yeah, we've been here a year and I think we've barely scratched the surface. But again, when you have a a four and six year old caged animal, you can't really (laughs) like, so taking them out kayaking, we would ruin, I, I feel like we ruin everybody else's trip because they, they're loud. They talk. They're just boisterous little kids. And every time we paddle past somebody, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm sorry, we'll, we'll get past you as quick as I can. Oh, I don't think anybody minds. I know this winter I went fishing with some people that had a bunch of smaller kids. And I personally don't have kids. I loved having them around. We all went around and we augered a bunch of holes. They helped me like look underwater with the camera. Like they'd go run, get the tip ups for me. We had a blast. I had like a little pack of rambunctious kids out with me the whole day. I thought it was the greatest ever. So I don't think anybody minds kids out there. They're so excited to be there. It's kind of, I don't know, infectious. And maybe that's just my, my own things as a parent. Like I want, I want other people to see my kids the way I see them. Like they're, they're fun and creative and they're, they're unpredictable, but I, I'm afraid other people see them as annoying, but oh. nine times out of 10, when they run into people, they, they make their day just because my youngest is a little social butterfly. <laughs> he talks to everyone. And then my oldest is he's into taking pictures while we were out hiking today. Uh, he ran into four or five families, just started taking pictures of them. Oh, and they loved it. They thought it was the cutest thing in the world. But in my mind, I'm going, Oh Jesus, Please don't do that. No, seriously. I love when people's kids come and talk to me because they'll be like, oh, what have you caught today? And they'll like want to see pictures. They'll want to know what you're using. I love that enthusiasm. I think they're adorable. Well, they're they're adorable, but oh God, they're so loud. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we all were at one point, so. Uh, not me. I don't know what I did to deserve this. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was a quiet kid. Really? Huh. Oh, Super quiet. Yeah, it's, I was well-behaved. Of course, that's coming from my grandparents. So, you know, how true is that? Yeah, they might be a little biased. Nope, never. I believe them wholeheartedly. <laughs> my grandparents also tell me what a great kid I was and what a saint I was. So <laughs> that's not how my mom spends it. I've got one quick thing I want to ask you before yeah. we wrap up. Um, one of your Instagram posts, is it's you holding a crappie. Okay. And you said some girls fish mostly naked in bikinis in the summer. I'm not one of them. Do you find those kinds of posts detrimental or off-putting? So much. Like, it really bothers me. You're not going to get taken seriously in the fishing industry, a male-dominated industry, if you're running around in the skimpiest bikini ever doing, like, a modeling pose. No one's going to be looking at your fish. But that not that kind of the point of why they do it? They're not really worried about the fishing experience. They just want the likes, right? Exactly. And I don't like that. And that's why you will not find pictures of me in a swimsuit ever because I just, I don't like that people do that sort of stuff for likes. Yeah, it'll get you a lot of likes, but is it really worth it? I want people to like my stuff because I catch nice fish or because I'm funny or whatever. I don't want it to be because of how I look or because I'm a female. I think it also adds to that intimidation factor, you know, for women that want to go out and fish because the expectation is 
you're going to catch a fish. Yeah. But where's the bikini pick? Exactly. And that is, that's really intimidating. Like, nope, <laughs> that would be really hard. Just so you know, men have the same thing, except it's, you know, they're called Ryan Reynolds and those guys. <laughs> I know they don't fish, but there's still the expectation, right? There are a couple of people I have looked at on Instagram that are guys that will post like shirtless pictures with their abs and stuff for the same reason. I'm just like, oh, you guy. Not this guy. No. <laughs> uh, I, I take my shirt off. That, that's bad news right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I just feel like. I don't know. I want to be a good role model to younger girls, too. And I don't want them to be like, oh, I want to be outdoorsy, but I should, you know, not have clothes on when I'm fishing. I don't want to be that sort of person. It's such a it's such a negative stereotype. It is. That's good. I'm glad you want to be a positive mentor. Uh, You know, we need more women in, in the sports, outdoor recreation activities. It's I mean, it's such a wonderful, fun thing to do. I really want to get as many girls exposed to like just the outdoors, fishing, kayaking in general, because it is one of the most wonderful, fun things you can do. Excellent. So for anyone that's wanting to get into uh, either hiking or kayaking or kayak fishing, what, what would you tell someone who's apprehensive about it? So what I find is really useful is there is a lot of good books out there about like kayaking or hiking. So one of the book series that I like, um, there's one that's 60 Places to Hike Within 60 Miles of Madison. And they also have one 60 Places to Kayak Within 60 Miles of Madison. I love those two books. They break down all these places to hike. They tell you what the trails are like, what the water's like. They give you all the details and they've hiked it and they already explain it. So it kind of takes the guesswork out of it. So you can just go out. You've got your map, you've got your book, you know what exactly you're going to be getting into, and just pick a place and go. And then for women that may need a little bit of guidance on picking a kayak, what are some kind of basic guidelines you'd give them for selecting a kayak? I would say try them out before you buy one because it is a big commitment. Try the different styles. I would go with a rental place first and try like a sit on top, try a sit in, try a fishing style before you ever commit. Just because that was one mistake I made was I bought them. I should have just like played around with them at a rental place or a lot of the paddle shops will let you test them out too, but just get out, try them first and don't just buy one. And then also taking lessons is wonderful. I know the first time I paddle boarded was I took a lesson with Rutabaga Paddle Sports The first time I went kayaking, I actually booked a guided trip to um, the Apostle Islands with one of my best friends. That was the first time I had ever kayaked. They gave us like a quick half-day class on how to kayak. They made us capsize our kayak and get back in it. And then we kayaked, sea kayaked out to the Apostle Islands. After that, I was completely hooked. I feel like trips or doing it with someone that's experienced, that also has, you know, a little bit of medical certification in case you decide to try and drown yourself. It's always a good idea. (laughs) So it's just basically a little bit of education is all it takes. Yes. And then, you know, just be safe about it. But I think if you're ever intimidated by it, just go take a lesson. I mean, it's a great way to get out there and try it without having to commit. I like it. That's good advice. I kind of wish I would have done that at first, but uh, I guess a chauvinistic man in me is like, I can do this. (laughs) 
Kimber, I don't have anything else to, to talk about at the moment. Uh, thanks for agreeing to talk to me a little bit. And also, if you get some of these women's groups, like the women's paddle trip started, yeah. maybe I we could uh, do a trip or do a podcast after one of the trips and see how I that went. I would love that. And hopefully I will be a little less nervous and ramble a little less by then. Because let's be honest, I've been like sweating bullets nervous about this for the last hour. <laughs> Hey, listen, I've done almost 20 of these and I still sweat. You're fine. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad it's not just me. But yeah, thank you so much for reaching out to me. This was really fun. Yeah, anytime. And uh, like I said, if you ever have a fun trip and you want to talk about it, you've got an open invitation. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank Kimber for sitting down and talking to me. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I think she's a way better angler than I am. Just want to make that known. Uh, she's probably caught bigger fish than I'll ever dream of catching. If you'd like to check out more 12 Hike, visit our Facebook page. We have an Instagram account. It's 12 Hike Challenge. And we are working on a YouTube channel. For right now, there's just a couple of uh, live Zoom interviews that we've done with uh, outdoor mentors and Loveland Parks and Rec. Uh, those are fun conversations if you want to go check them out. Be our guest. Also, we are doing a fundraiser to help upgrade our podcast equipment. We want to bring you more content, better content. And to do that, we need just a little bit of extra money. Uh, up to this point, we've done all of our recording with minimal equipment, and we'd really like to upgrade. I actually just ordered a couple of new things uh, yesterday, and I'm going to be setting up my new studio. So hopefully I can show everybody that in a live video and uh, and see where your donations are actually going to.